this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, silencing my cell phone, which Thank is something you. I like to do so I can really dial in with you. And I just saw, you know, funny jokes, some memes, and uh-huh. it caught me off guard a little bit when you got started. Oh. <sighs> Bernie sat in a funny way, and people are still <laughs> just They're still talking about it. Wild about it. I don't necessarily look, I love me I love me some Bernie Sanders. Big, big fan of, of the gentleman and his work. But I don't understand why that picture has become the biggest thing since, you know. Um, I bet there were a lot of people, you know, sitting funny at that inauguration. I guess so. I think it was it the mittens. Was it the sort of casual dress? I mean, my man is mm-hmm. advanced in age, has to stay warm, protect himself from the elements. I don't can, know that there's anything funny Can I tell you something that? that I really appreciated? So... Supposedly, Bernie was carrying a manila envelope uh, that somebody said contained the tickets for the inauguration. Okay. And uh, I just thought that was big dad energy. Oh, that's huge. I'm just like, I got the tickets in this envelope, so I'm bringing the envelope to the event. Did the envelope also include printed out map quest directions? <laughs> yeah. God, that's so. choice. Oh, it's good. Anyway, I'm dialed in now. I'm going to talk uh, with our listeners and with you, my wife, Rachel, about things that are good, things that we like, because this is wonderful, a show about things that are good that we like. Do you have any small wonders, please? All right. This is kind of basic. This is kind of like hashtag pregnancy, but uh, through the various services uh, where people deliver food to your house, yeah. you, you can get pints of ice cream. I'm pretty sure we've <laughs> talked about this before. Did we talk about Maybe, it? Maybe, yeah. We've done this a few times from a few different services and ice cream <laughs> vendors, and I'm not complaining. Um, I go to the store. I go to the grocery store. I have started sure. venturing out to the store, yeah. uh, which is not something I did at the beginning of the pandemic, but I, I have felt that I have found ways to do it safely. Yeah. But uh, whenever whenever I'm buying groceries for the week, I am all business. Yes. And then I get home and I think, man, I should have gotten myself should a have treat. been naughty, huh? And and I realize that there are ways to get treats now without yeah. leaving your house. And Absolutely. this is a revelation. Um, my small wonder is uh, in and of itself. It's on Hulu. It's a it's a magician named Derek Delgadio. And it's a live stage show that was performed in New York like 500 times that I heard like a lot about from a few different people. And now it's, it's, it is televised and you can watch I was watch watching it. an interview. Uh, Stephen Colbert and his wife produced it. And I was watching an interview and they didn't want to say anything no, about it. Nor do I. That's all I'm going to they say like, about we, it. We it's... cannot give you more of a description. It is important. You go in knowing as little as possible. It mainly fi- it's, it's, it's incredible. And it's like a really, it's a, it's a profound special. I found myself, and maybe this says more about like sort of my personal inclination towards FOMO, but it mainly made me like really bummed out that I didn't get to see it in person because I I, fi- it, I think it hits hard watching it on Hulu, but I don't. I think uh, <laughs> there's weird celeb cameos just like in the audience, <laughs> and uh, Derek Delgado does something to Tim Gunn that leaves him visibly shaken, and I was like. Fuck! I wish I was Tim Gunn in that moment. I bet that was powerful. That was that was that was some uh, some church camp stuff happening in that room. Uh, yeah, it's it's very very cool. And it's very good. And if you are not like a, a magic enthusiast, because at first I was like, I don't know if I feel like watching magic. It's not really about magic. No, there's like four quote unquote. Yeah, tri- tricks for he, yeah. He has the training to do some some illusions, but that is not the focus. It's of the not special. even illusions. It's just card work that is like. 
the best the best sleight of hand I've maybe ever seen. Okay, anyway, that's all we should say about it. You go first this week. I do. What do you got? I wanted to talk today. Things just came to me oh, when nice. I was preparing, oh, and good. one of the things that just came to me was driver's ed. You like that. I like it. Was your driver's ed, did you take driver's ed? Yes. Was it taught by a coach? I assume so. You don't Uh, remember? Well, it wasn't a person from our school. Oh, fascinating. Uh, It was at the junior high, and you would show up at night, like twice a week, in a classroom, and this guy got up front, and he taught people not just from my high school, but from, like, the region. At night? Like, it wasn't part of the high school curriculum? No. Interesting. You you had to, like, sign up and attend at night, and I'm guessing pay for it, I'm assuming. That's bonkers, babe. That's, I, I... Maybe we did not get part of the school day to do it. Okay, maybe Huntington High was the exception, but like driver's ed was an elective that you that you took, and the cars were like there at the high school, and you got in, and I think the volleyball coach, Coach Willie Wilson, who also well, taught me about anatomy, multidisciplinarian. <laughs> Here was the thing: my experience. Not only did you do evenings, but then if you wanted driving practice, so evenings was going to the classroom watching videos. Weekends was when you got your driving practice. Right. And so he would like show up at your house with a car full of kids and you would all like drive around for a while and take turns. Yeah. Uh, So it was, I mean, it took a lot of outside effort. And part of that is because a lot of states, uh, mine and yours included, do not require driver's ed. No, I don't think. uh... West Virginia, I looked it up. West Virginia doesn't. Missouri doesn't. No, I rem- there's some like shortcuts, like there's like a ladder that I remember you work up where you get like a piece of paper. Uh, if you complete driver's ed, where then like you don't need to get your permit, like you can skip the permit if you take driver's ed and just go straight to the license. Otherwise, you have to have your permit for a year before mm. you can get your license, which makes sense, I guess. A lot of this stuff has changed, you know, since like when I was... 16, you didn't get a provisional license. You got like your real deal license, but they have wow. changed that. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's wow. I think that changed shortly after me. But yeah, no, there was no like at 18, you get your real license. There was just like 16, you're done. <laughs> Were you in a hurry to get your, to get your driver's license? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. I was not. <laughs> I'm curious. To, I know to we've hear talked why. about this before because you had like dedicated chauffeurs that would take you well, places that, that, and older siblings. I and, had friends who had cars. I didn't have dedicated chauffeurs. I live. So part of it too was that I did not attend the school that was associated with my neighborhood uh, because my mom was a teacher in the district just outside of where we lived. Okay. So all of my friends would grouse like, oh, 15 minutes to get to your house, you know, or 10 minutes or whatever to get to your house. Can't can't you just be dropped off? You know, like there was a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't have a car or anything waiting for me. I was just anxious to have that ability. Yeah. So the majority of states do require it. Actually, 32 states require teens to take driver's ed it just huh. so happens that west virginia and missouri were not one of them i feel like our driver's ed classes I, I took it my first semester my senior year and that summer before then there were like three or four fatalities of yeah. students at my school yeah. who just for whatever reason like that summer was really bad for my it. school too and that driver's ed class was harrowing because of what that like I feel like that's an old joke is that they show really gruesome yeah. videos and shit like that. Uh, they were trying to put the fear of God and also fast cars in us. Yeah. 
And uh, it that it first worked. year, I mean, that's the thing. Like, like teens hugely are more likely to get into accidents, and they're more likely to be fatal. Uh, and that was a thing at my high school too. There, there were a lot of classmates I had yeah. that gotten terrible car accidents. In the seventies, ninety five percent of students in the country had access to public driver's education. How many? What percent? 95%. Wow. Everybody okay. was doing it. Okay. It was like a brand new thing. Like there was there was budget for it. Everybody was doing it. Now that is not the case. Uh, everything varies state by state. So Missouri, their workaround is that you have a guardian who certifies that you have received 40 hours of driving instruction, uh, including a minimum of 10 hours of nighttime driving. Hmm. So they don't require you to take driver's ed, but you have to have somebody that takes care of you that says, yeah, they did it. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of their workaround. In West Virginia, it is 50 hours of supervised practice. Yeah, I didn't get that. <laughs> um, and well, and that's the thing. So there was a uh, a survey done by uh, Volvo, um, and one in three licensed drivers said they had spent less than 20 hours behind the wheel prior to taking their driver's Absolutely. Test. Yeah. yeah, no, I wasn't particularly interested in driving for partially for the reasons you outlined, but also like I had a lot of shit going on my senior year yeah. of high school. So it wasn't until the summer after I graduated that I was like, okay, I took driver's ed. I need to just go to the DMV and take this test. But at that point, it had been a while. So yeah. our friend Justin let me drive his car around for a bit just to get <laughs> practice. I'm pretty sure that's what I took the test in. Uh, which is a wild story Didn't that I, I haven't yeah, thought Yeah, I guess about it could be any car. It could be anybody's car, yeah. yeah. And then we went to Dairy Queen afterwards. <laughs> oh. It was a nice day. A big driver boy. Big driver boy. Uh, uh, in this survey, the vast majority of parents, 80%, indicated they are seeking additional driver education measures to help educate their their child because there's just not a lot available. Yeah. Um, it's so it's like one of those uh logistics things that I feel like should have big a bigger emphasis in in uh middle school and high school especially of just like here's how uh I guess this is kind of what home ec was, right? In a in a manner of speaking, I think a lot of home ec was antiquated, but things like here's how checks work, here's how bank accounts work. Yeah. Here is how uh insurance here's how insurance works. Like here's how all of these different things work. Driving is one of those, I feel like, where I knew nothing about it. Then I took driver's ed and I was like, okay, I now I grasp the fundamentals. And that may have saved my life, essentially. It's wild that it's not required. Yeah, I mean, there's and there's any number of reasons like your guardian may not be the most appropriate person to teach you how to drive. Yeah. Um, whether it's just like a, a stressful situation for them or they don't have the time or availability to do it. Clint uh, McRoy was stunt in. <laughs> he would always that man would hit the nos anytime we hit third avenue he would blaze it he gotten more sort of impromptu drag races than i i care admit because somebody would drive up next to him on a red light and be like hey ch- race me chicken and my dad would go off clint mcroy would go off well, you know, he was radio's Clint McElroy. You know, he was the he, ba- he was the bad boy of radio. Yeah, he had to- true. <laughs> and he did say on the radio, "I will race anyone in this city." And get a T-shirt. He had a little T-shirt can, and he mm-hmm. kept in there just if if you beat him. Yeah, yeah. So Texas, just so we know, uh, you have to complete a thirty-two hour driver education course. Okay. So we'll we'll have to face that. Henry will never comes. drive. Uh, that's it (laughs) it's hard to imagine him driving the next baby maybe 
New baby maybe can drive. Henry, we'll I don't see. Henry, we'll see. oh, that, that kid is not show me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spark of safe driving. Um, yeah, it, and just just so you know, like there are states that have absolutely nothing at all. Arkansas, nothing. Go for it, Arkansas. Yeah, like no previous experience required. Just go in there and get it. I think it's a good thing. I think for me. I mean, understandably, my parents were a little afraid, I think, when I was driving. Yeah. Uh, And so the driver's ed teacher, there was something comforting about somebody who had been doing this and did it all the time and knew kind of how bad somebody could be. Yeah. (laughs) If memory serves, my my driver's ed teacher was bored when, like, somebody (laughs) was getting on the highway for the first time. They'd be like, yep, go ahead. Yep, use your blinker. Like, (laughs) okay, are you sure? I remember I turned the wrong way down a one-way street it was like one of those streets that had like a a median in the middle yeah and you had to kind of know like which side of the median you should be on traditionally right yeah in america (laughs) did you get confused maybe and think you were back back it was like in a very residential area so it, it did not end up being particularly dangerous but he was very calm the whole time he was just like all right now um this is not this is not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice to have that experience. Yeah. Uh, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, my first thing is, uh, I feel like peak Griffin topic on Wonderful is air hockey. Uh, I feel oh. like I have a, I feel like I have a type and it's like benign entertainment activities that I do a little bit of research into and find that there's like a scene around it, like a, yeah. a, a group of extremely hardcore professional air hockey players, which God, I did a little I bit of I love air into. hockey. I do too. It occupies such a special place in my heart because my exposure to air hockey came at, mostly through arcades. Because, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so, well, I don't know. I feel like there's some like bars that, that will have an air hockey, but I, I guess it is sort of mainly the, the dominion of Dave and Buster. Um, <laughs> but I, anytime I would go to arcades, I was always on my grind for tickets. Uh, like, I believe that about you. <laughs> yeah. I would like try, I, I, we would go to the pub, which was the name of uh, this like pizza place uh, in, in Huntington that I'm almost certain I talked about before that had this huge arcade. Um, and we would go there and after a while, like I knew which arcade games gave out the easiest tickets and I would just pour all my money into those. But, uh, air hockey represented kind of the exact opposite thing where there was no incentive to play it except for the spirit of competition against another person. And that was always kind of like novel to me. That was always like really refreshing. And it also helped that like the main things that you need to be good at air hockey are like hand-eye coordination and reflexes, which have always been like two two strong suits of mine. Like I've never been one to boast about my sort of physical capabilities, but those are two things where I feel like pretty confident in. Yeah. And so air hockey was always like a place that I could go to, uh, you know, hold hold my own. People don't need me to explain what air hockey is. There was some uh, debate in the uh, some of the, the research I did about uh, there are cheap air hockey tables that don't actually have the air coming up to, that that creates the cushion under the, under the puck that you know eliminates friction. Sometimes it's just smooth plastic. People are like that's that's. I think we can all agree that's not air. Yeah, hockey. there's no air. You got to have the air in order to have uh, <laughs> air hockey. Um, I was as though I was pretty good at air hockey. I was hampered. I probably didn't go pro because I was afraid of being hit by a wayward puck. <laughs> 
which I don't know if that ever actually happened to me. In uh, like, you definitely have some intense games where the puck goes flying off the table, and you're like, "Woof!" If that had yeah, hit but my it's face. like the puck weighs like the weight of a real puck. It's yeah, but like... when you when your youth pastor blasts it at you at what feels like ninety <laughs> miles an hour. It carries a it carries I would say deadly ballistic force. I hope nobody takes that sentence out of context. Yeah, I guess that would also be bad. So the game was invented by designers at Brunswick Billiards, uh, who yeah, have made okay. a ton of stuff. The name is is very familiar. And basically, they were like trying to develop a game that could take place on a frictionless surface. So like the first thing that they sort of worked on was this frictionless table, which you know pumped up air through the the bottom of it, uh, and then like once they started to move stuff across that table, they were like, this looks like hockey. And so air hockey was born. It seems like the, the, every description I read made it seem fairly like formulaic like, after that. Like they backed into it. Like, like they backed. All right, we know that we want it to be frictionless. So let's get to work and then see what it becomes. Right. Uh, and so uh, there, there have been unsurprisingly sort of professional air hockey leagues that have come out of that. Uh, there are some international competitions that are governed by uh, two different bodies, the U.S. Air Hockey Association and the Air Hockey Players Association. Uh, and I was reading about uh, the, the, the scene, and the scene is like a little too dry, I feel like, to be interesting. But I did read about like the strategies that are employed in high-level air hockey. Yeah, I would, uh, I would like to know what it is because in my head, it's just try and hit the puck. Yeah, I mean, that's that's important for sure. <laughs> uh, the biggest thing that I learned about is called the triangle defense. And it's that the like uh, hands down optimal defense when the, the puck is sort of about to come at you is to keep the striker, which is the name of the thing that you actually keep your hands on, which you're supposed to only use your fingertips because then it's easier to like move it around faster. Oh, I always like death grip that thing. Apparently that's wrong. You keep it eight inches directly in front of your goal. And if you do that, any straight shot that comes at you is so easy to block, right? Yeah, because okay. You can, um, and then if one comes at you with a bank shot, which is like so often the case, you pull the striker back to the corners of your goal. And then that way you have more time to like work the, the angle and figure out exactly how to intercept it. So you draw literally a triangle you know, from okay. the corners of your side of the table to eight inches in front of the goal. And that's like your, that's your defense zone. Uh, and then there are different, uh, what are they called? There are different drifts, uh, which are sort of the patterns that you hit the puck in, uh, which include center, diamond, diagonal, and L-shaped trajectories. And the big thing with air hockey is basically deception, like making it seem like I'm about to hit this in an yeah. L shape to the left, but really it's coming at you in a, you know, a diamond pattern to the right or a center shot or something like that, which this, isn't so surprising, I guess. But This does make me want to see like if there's videos on YouTube of pro competitions, because it's kind of like ping pong where you like, you don't really know what's possible until you've watched until you've somebody watched pros, but it. I guarantee you that that exists. I mean, there's it, everything's yeah. everything's on YouTube. But yes, my strategy is just traditionally like hit it sideways in like a way that I think is going to be really clever. That's always the most embarrassing part of ping pong or not ping pong air hockey is you're like, I'm going to put some real stink on this <laughs> and you just like slap it to the side and it just like impotently bounces between the left and right walls without actually moving forward at all. You're like, oh, or dang. it like hits the end and immediately comes back into your goal. Yeah. That's that always bad. Too. Especially I always try to put a little bit of uh, that triple deke on it. Or I'm like, <laughs> like just bouncing around my side. Like you don't know which way it's going to ha. Ah, 
ah, bang, and it hits the back wall and immediately yeah. goes right back into my goal. Um, it's easy, to, I feel like, to just completely show your ass in air hockey. But mm-hmm. I really like it. I always, anytime I go somewhere and there's an air hockey table, which I feel like is pretty rare these days, it's always like a little, ooh. I will <laughs> say like 50% of the time it does not work. Most of the time, yeah. A lot of times it's just unplugged and you put money in and you're like, oh, oh this is, well, okay. <laughs> 75 cents, I'll never see ever again. Hey, can I steal you away? Yeah. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain Got a couple of uh, scrumbo dons here, and I would love to read this first one because it is for Sam, and it's from Allie, who says, To sweet Sam, you're the most thoughtful, caring, and all-around wonderful interweb friend in the whole wide world. I'm so glad that we met on Twitch. I can't wait to watch you grow this year, and I hope we can meet up in London this May. I feel so lucky to have crossed your path in this life. I like you and love you. Your pal from across the pond, Ali. Or Allie. It could be either one. Mm, Travel, Mm. Griffin. Travel. Do you remember travel? Sort of. You would get in these these sky cars, I think is what they were called. 
And on it, I don't remember much about these guy cars, but the food was not great. <laughs> and I'd like to do 10 minutes or so about oh, no. that. Can I read the next one? Yes, please. This message is for Katie, Agnes, Quinn, Jade, Carly, my fiance Nate, and my dog Charlie. They should have split this up over two messages. We are getting <laughs> robbed right now. This is from Ashley. To my friends, every Saturday we play D&D Jackbox and Chill fills me with the most wonderful feelings. You all bring such joy to my life. I don't know what I would do without you. You are extraordinary. All my love, Ash. That sounds like the best Saturday. I'm I you know where my head went immediately was Saturday mornings. Not Saturday evenings no. and I don't know why. Like every Saturday morning I spring out of bed, grab my D20, grab my my mobile device, and play games with my pals. That is the thing. I people talk about the the change in your life when you have kids and that is that is my Maybe my most jealous moment of my friends that do not have children is that Saturday morning where you just do whatever you want, where you yeah. just get up when you want and you're like, maybe I'll watch a movie right now at 9 a.m. Yeah. No. Nope, not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> but the smile, the, they smile, it's like love. Like, you feel offended, like complete. Every moment is so precious and it's it goes so fast. Moment. It goes so fast, so don't blink or you'll miss it. <laughs> You're going to miss those poopy diapers. <gasps> so stoked to do this all over again. <laughs> hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, he's coming back! Or do you mean the fact that <laughs> Apple Podcasts has named Fanti one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, Travel <laughs> <laughs> Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things. We're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fan-tie you. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. Can I tell you my second thing? I need it. Uh, generic store brand items. <laughs> hey, okay. <laughs> okay. I wager that the Weiner household... <laughs> Dealt in these sort of contraband cereal 100%. bags. Yes, for sure. 100%. As, as did the McElroy household. Yes. And I think, you know, when you're a kid, you're very susceptible to like advertisement. Yes. You know, you'll see commercials and you'll think like, I've got to have that very specific brand item. Yes. But I think as you get older, you realize it doesn't really matter. And it is more affordable. Yes. And I... I'm willing to make that choice. I'm trying to find the name uh, where my head immediately went was Sam's Club Sodas. Uh-huh. Oh, I have a whole segment. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, good. Specifically on Dr. Pepper. Okay, good. Generic versions. I think I remember what Dr. Pepper was called. I do remember, though, the version. I wonder if it was at Hy-Vee or Walmart, but the the Lucky Charms that was called Marshmallow Mateys. Oh, that's fun. I like that better, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, specifically the names is probably what I find most delightful. But, you know, of course, there is research out there to suggest uh, that most of the time it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. 
In the 70s and 80s, this is when it became particularly popular in the United States. Uh, There was kind of high price inflation, and a lot of people were looking for a cheaper option. Uh, According to Consumer Reports, which you know I love, also had (laughs) great prominence in the Weiner household, uh, you can save an average of 25% by choosing the generic option. Uh, About 74% of the Consumer Report readers surveyed, and this was back in 2018, so they were highly satisfied with the quality of store brands. Most people are just like, this is fine with me. Yeah. Uh, Consumer Reports has a bunch of recommendations around like particularly good generic versions like Trader Joe's and Target. Costco, as we know, has Kirkland. Walmart with their with their great value, and then even Whole Foods has a 365 everyday oh, yeah, generic sure. version. Uh, and most of the time, you know, once you find something that works pretty well, you get pretty loyal to it. Yeah, and it's so easy to convince your parents. I feel like this enormous bag of fruity pebbles that costs a dollar and fifteen cents is a good value. Uh, so I wanted to specifically talk about Dr Pepper just because yeah. you know a lot of times like. You know, ketchup is always going to be called ketchup. But when you talk about soda, a lot of times they have these kind of goofy names. And Dr. Pepper is one of them. Right. So here are some of the other versions. Uh, Dr. Thunder, which I'm sure you're familiar with, is Walmart. Uh, Dr. K is Kroger. Uh, Dr. Smooth is Harris Teeter, which I like a lot. The best, the best, the best. (laughs) Uh, H-E-B has Dr. B. Um, Dr. Perky, which I was not familiar with. Don't like that as much. Uh, Dr. Check at Winn-Dixie. Uh, Mr. Pibb. Mr. No. Pibb is not a, Mr. Pibb is a. It's, it's not really a generic. It's no, just it's kind like of a sprite, a sprite yeah. to Sierra But I Mist. wanted to give a shout out to Mr. Pibb. Yeah, I'll, I'll give many shouts out to Mr. And Pibb. And also, uh, two others I wasn't familiar with, Dr. Bob and Dr. Pete. Okay, a lot of, uh, a <laughs> lot of unearned doctors. Everybody understands there. it's important to retain. The doctor. Y- yeah. Right. Like, like, if you don't have that, no one's going to know what you're not doing. Not Mr. Pibb, though. No, it's true. <laughs> Mr. Pibb was like, let's not. Let's not. Let's not try and play in that league. This is this is stolen valor <laughs> for doctors. Our soda has not, you know, really committed the time and energy necessary no. to have that credential. No. This soda went to the school of hard knocks and not a fancy medical school. I couldn't think of one. That's not good. There's lots of them. Johns Hopkins? Johns Hopkins is, would have been a good one to say. <laughs> what What were you looking up? What did you want to share? Oh, just the names of all the different ones. Like, <laughs> I love Sam's Choice is the name of Sam's oh, yeah, Club, yeah. like, yeah. brand. Because uh, I remember you go to Sam's Club, which we did. It's the only place that we got so groceries. So we never did that only child, but I can understand how okay, with three yeah, boys, three, that would be three ideal. very hungry boys. And they would have soda machines that just lined the front of the store that you could buy, like, like vending machines. Uh, but then you could also buy, you know, the 12 pack of cans of whatever. Uh, their, their generic brown soda Coca-Cola simulation was just called Cola. Love that. <laughs> Twist up was lemon lime. Uh, Mountain lightning was uh, Dr. Pepper. And then they, they stopped being interesting after that. There's one that was a red cream soda that I was very fond of called red tornado. Oh, that's fun. Strong is what it is. Uh, Yeah, I think that's it. Wait, Mountain Lightning wasn't Mountain Dew? Mountain Lightning was Mountain Dew. Oh, okay. You just suggested that it was their Dr. Pepper. Oh, sorry. I misspoke. That would be wild. No, their Dr. Pepper you covered was, uh, was, was, what was it? Dr. Dr. Thunder. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because Sam's Choice is Walmart. Is what they sell at Walmart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, can I do my second thing? Yes. So excited for this one. Very excited. I cannot believe we have not talked about it uh, before. I was going to do one on children's science museums, but then I decided I'm just going to do one on COSI because that is where it's fucking at. COSI is in Columbus, Ohio. If you live nearby and you have not gotten it, when I say nearby, I mean within a five-hour drive. Six hour drive. <laughs> wow. You got to get to Columbus and you got to go to Kosai. It's been forever since I've been to Kosai. So I will put that stipulation down here. Uh, and I have a tendency to uh, blow it out of proportion in my mind, like things from my childhood. I remember them as being like way cooler than they actually were. But then when I was reading about what has happened in Kosai since I've last gone to it, it has only gotten way, way, way radder. Uh, Kosai stands for the Center of Science and Industry. And it is one of the most renowned science and research museums like in the whole world. Uh, last year, USA Today named it the number one science museum in the country. It is a massive 320,000 square foot facility that is built right on the banks of the Scioto River. Uh, and it is all mostly like interactive. Uh, they have over 300 interactive exhibits across all of these different themed areas. Uh, I want to just talk about some of these 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 areas. But first of all, like look at a picture of the building if you haven't seen it. It looks like a stretched out eyeball. It looks like a wild like crashed blimp almost. It looks really really unique. It was designed by a Japanese architect named Arata Isozaki, uh, who also designed the MoMA building in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. I don't know if you've ever seen it. He's he's like a very accomplished Japanese architect that, that built this science museum in Columbus, Ohio, uh, and. It's just the it's just the coolest place ever because it's not like a museum that you go into and it's like here's a wall that talks about fossils and then like here's a it's like you go through a mine cart that like leads you yeah. down into like this secret uh, subterranean sort of area um, so some of the exhibits, I'll just outline some of the coolest ones. There's an ocean exhibit where you walk through a shipwreck into an underwater cave, which leads to this like submarine research facility where you learn about like, uh, the development of underwater science technology. And then you turn a corner and you're in Poseidon's temple where you learn <laughs> all about like the physics of water and like why it has informed like folklore across like all of civilization. Uh, there is a renewable energy exhibit where you like select an avatar and then you go through like this series of panels where you make choices about like conserving energy. Uh, I remember there were a lot of cool ones like that that were interactive in like an ownership type of way. Like there was one that taught about, and I don't know if it's still there or not, but about like cameras and TV production, like switchboard operation in a, in a movie, in a TV studio. And so you and your friends would get up there and do like karaoke while somebody else worked the board and you would make a VHS that you could like take home with Aww. you, which was so rad. Um, there is a big space exhibit with like all of these different like pseudo astronaut tests that you can do, but they also have a recreation of the Apollo 11 mission control with like full like wood panel, like old school looking like displays and stuff like that that you can mess around with. Um, there's a spaceship earth style simulation of a city called progress where you like walk through it and it starts like kind of just a folksy main street, but then like technology advances the further into it you go. That's so incredible. I feel like, so St. Louis had a science center, but when they opened, 
I'm pretty sure that they retained every exhibit the entire time. Uh, <laughs> and so by the time, like the first year it was like incredible. And then the second year it was okay. And by the fourth year, everything was broken. Yeah. <laughs> you would just walk through these like dirty, like mangled exhibits and be like, oh, this well, maybe was a good thing at one point. I mean, I haven't been in a while, but because I was always very nice. It always felt sort of, uh, it, it, I mean, uh, living in West Virginia, there's not like a big city within in the state right like yeah you know charleston morgantown you know they're i'm not shitting on west virginia like i loved growing up there and and have you know love those those towns very much but like if you wanted to go to a place like kosai you had to go to ohio so when i went to ohio it was to go to an amusement park or a concert or insert yeah. recreational activity that i didn't necessarily have access to in huntington and to me, like, Kosai was just as exciting as going to Kings Island because yeah. it was, like, just as sort of a transformative, rad experience. Well, and you're describing, like, what sounds kind of like a theme park, this idea that you get into this, like, immersive environment to learn about something. Like, that is always, like, the best theme parks, the ones where, like, before you get on the ride, you, like, walk through this whole you know, environment that's supposed to like get you hyped for what you're about to do. Yeah. Like it's cool that they created learning in such a like interactive way that like really like transports you, you know? I went there on a lot of trips with like my church youth group, which looking back on it is kind of yeah. wild. It's not like progressive. A, a, yeah, it was fairly progressive, right? It was uh like they have a segment on life and one of the parts of that exhibit is about like birth and death and about like how different like societies have like viewed those through throughout human civilization and that's kind of a heavy concept for a for any kid especially one like attending it with their with their southern baptist youth what was this drive like how long does it take you to get to To get to columbus from uh, huntington like i don't know two and a half hour depends on if you take the double a it's complicated uh you know back when we were touring and you know we'd be with with the kids Every city we went to, we would either go to an aquarium or a science museum. And I really, I, I, I love both of those. Uh, I really liked watching, uh, I don't think we ever took Henry on one of the, the, the tours where we did this, but like watching, you know, the cousins go around and like play around with science is very fulfilling as an adult <laughs> to see. Yeah. Um, but I've been to a lot of those science museums now, and none of them are as rad as Kosai. I would yeah. love to get to to get back there. Maybe yeah. next time we visit visit uh, Trav in Cincinnati, we can we can dip on over. Yeah, dip on over to Kosai. No, out. that sounds really cool. I would really like to do that. I I love. I mean, that's part of the thrill of going to a place like DC, for example, is that like to take a museum seriously, mm-hmm. to not just like put up, you know, like a movie prop and say like this is an exhibit on dinosaurs. Yeah. Like that's a big. That's a big pro for me. I also best gift shop like in the biz. <laughs> in the biz, I'm going to start thinking. I'm going to start listing off things that I vividly remember purchasing and keeping with me from the Kosai gift shop. Astronaut ice cream. Absolutely astronaut ice cream. <laughs> First and last. Absolutely. Alpha and Omega. Uh, one of those uh, plastic tubes that you would swirl around and it would make a tornado. Absolutely got to have oh, one of those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a pressure sensitive like mood stone that you would like oh, squeeze and okay. it would change colors. Yeah. I remember I gave that to a, a, a girl Ooh. in like 
elementary, like late elementary school, early middle school, who I was like, quote unquote, boyfriend, girlfriend with. Yeah. And she gave it back to me when uh, we <laughs> broke up. And I went to Ritter Park and I ceremoniously oh, threw it in the creek Griffin. to like rid myself of this oh. artifact of heartbreak. Ah. What's that do for you? There's so much about this story that is so on brand. I can't even take <laughs> it's, it. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling confessional. Just like walking away with your hands in your pockets and your head down like, well, I guess that's love. I have a lot of memories of going to Ritter Park <laughs> after a breakup and trying to ceremoniously like <laughs> yeah. make a meal, make a fucking meal of it. <laughs> All the way up to through like college, I remember I got uh, I, I got dumped in college, and I went to Ritter Park in the middle of like a rainstorm and just like <laughs> sat on a bench. Oh my god! Got out a clove cigarette that I borrowed from somebody. Mm. Is it, it raining? I can't even ra- feel it. I can't it. even tell. <laughs> I think I sat there like by myself in the dark and rain with my moist, cl- yucky clove cigarette for like oh. ten minutes, and then I was like, "What the." Fuck, this sucks. <laughs> I'm out of here. <sighs> hey, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Uh, John says, the final bite of a cinnamon roll. The cinnamon roll core is unmatched in its beautiful gooiness. I almost can't with the middle of a cinnamon roll. Is it too much? It's almost a little bit too much. Wow. I don't know. I've ever heard you say that about a sugary treat. I love cinnamon rolls. Everybody does. Especially if you get it from like a, from like a, a cinnamon roll, like, shop like that makes the <laughs> cinnabon is what i was thinking of when you get the cinnabon it is more liquid than solid yeah, that's those, I believe. that's too much for me cinnabon is that's like i'll eat the outskirts of a cinnabon mm-hmm. <laughs> where they've where they've you know operated like can i tell you something that yeah. may make me a psychopath sure. is that a lot of times i don't save the middle i kind of go through horizontally uh and so my last bite isn't necessarily the center is that insane no, well, I mean, I'm. I don't want to be normative. It's, it's any you can eat a cinnamon roll any way you okay. want. Okay. It's not how I would have done no, it. No, I know. I would have done it a different way. <laughs> uh, Mercury says, "I think," and I'm going to not say this word correctly, and I apologize. Uh, Poffertjes are wonderful. I first encountered these tiny one-inch diameter yeast pancakes when I was living in Amsterdam for graduate school. They are the perfect fluffy, chewy, powdered, sugary, multitudinous little bites. At my favorite Dutch pancake house, which serves pancakes 67 different ways, you can get 40 poffertjes uh, for the equivalent of $15. Sent a picture of these little beauties. Just to match, just like make a circle with your hand, just like one little one-bite powdered sugar yeah. Thick chewy pancakes took me to the took me to the yum zone just with a picture with a JPEG. <laughs> hey, I think that's it. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, uh Money Won't Pay, because you can find a link to that in the episode description if you like it. And I'm sure you do. And thank you to MaximumFun.org for having us on the network. They have so many great shows that you can just go listen to. There's no law against it. Rachel's going to say the name of one of those shows right now. Brace your ass. Jackie and Lori show. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of them. Yeah, triple click. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fucking <laughs> Frasier. Frasier. 
Frasier's not one of them. I'm I sorry. I saw news of a Frasier reboot the other day, by the way. I felt a psychic, like a disturbance in the fucking force. And I, I was like, what just happened? You know, everybody has that friend that really loves Frasier. And I almost sent it to our friend that loves Frasier. Which one? I know we have a few. But then I thought like they're probably getting it from somebody else. I don't have to take responsibility for this. I just knew. I think it's whenever Kelsey Grammer feels hope i know <laughs> do you know what i mean uh-huh. is that weird no anytime kelsey Grammer is like hmm i feel like oh wait something's some, something's happening something's going on you've always been very attuned to kelsey Grammer. i don't want i fucking don't want i know be. hey you don't choose your gifts <laughs> i think it's because i watched him fall off the stage <laughs> And I laughed so hard that I blacked out. And in that unconscious state, yeah, he connected. came to me uh-huh. like a phantom. Thank you, Maximum Fun. Thanks, Maximum Fun. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. I'm Jesse Thorne. On the next Bullseye, we've got the one and only Ted Danson. We'll talk about his new show, Mr. Mayor, about cheers, and about the secret to success in comedy. I mean, I I feel like one of your signature comedic moves at this point uh, in your career is gazing. Uh, You do a lot of interesting gazing. (laughs) I also love this. Gazing. I love that. And if I'm not, I'm going to start because that's great. That's Bullseye. Find it on MaximumFun.org and PR.org and wherever you get podcasts.